We all agree and say amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell her, be encouraged. Look at your other neighbor, tell her, be encouraged. Amen. And I'm simply here to give you a simple word. Be encouraged. Listen, you know, some of us, it's been a great year. How many of you had a great year this year? Because, amen, praise God. You know, in church, we should celebrate good years. I think we celebrate bad years more. But if you had a good year, let's hear it. You had a good year. Amen. 2016 was a year of power, a year of strength. It was a year of expansion. If that's you, we thank God for you. That's the way it should be. You know, so I'm believing that all of us here can say that this year was better than last year. Can I get an amen? And maybe some of us had a bad year. Anybody have a bad year this year? It's okay. Hey, listen, it's all right. It's all, it's all right. You can clap if you've had a bad year. Yes, that was me. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> listen, whether you had a good year or a bad year, we still have to remain encouraged in the Lord. The reason why you're here right now is because you are encouraged. You know, and I, and I want to be an encouragement to you. Listen, be encouraged. Again, they're two powerful words. Because be actually is a state of being. To be means to exist in. And to be encouraged means to have an insight. It means to have a, a communication of, uh, to making you stronger. You know, encouragement isn't a compliment. Sometimes we see people and they, they might be having a bad day and you'll say, oh, you look nice today. And you walk away and think you encouraged them. No, you complimented them. That wasn't an encouragement. How about this? Somebody asks you for advice and you say, hey, you know what? Whatever you, whatever you decide, I'm for you. That's not encouragement either. That's just agreement. Encouragement means that I'm going to push you toward what you're supposed to do in God. Encouragement means that I'm going to make you strong in the things of Jesus Christ. Encouragement means I'm going to develop you. So here I am before you, woman of God. I'm here to push you and to encourage you and to strengthen you and to say, listen, this year's not over. There's still a few weeks more left. I need you to finish strong in the name of Jesus. I know the lights are up and the trees are up, but it's not time to give up and lay down because we're drinking eggnog and eating ginger snaps. Praise the Lord. I need you to be strong and finish this year fighting. Finish this year standing. Finish this year praising. Finish this year worshiping. Finish this year giving God thanks. Finish this year believing for healing. Finish this year walking in your healing. I want to push you and encourage you to keep on fighting the good fight, the good fight of faith. I'm instructed by the Lord to encourage you. I want to make you stronger. I want you to live a life of hope and of confidence. You realize that's what encouraging is? Encouragement simply means to give someone hope and confidence. I want you to constantly live in a state of hope and confidence. I want to push you like never before to be the woman of God that God has intended you to be. I want you to know that, listen, no matter what you've gone through, good or bad this year, that God is not done with you yet, that there is still time. And let me say this, if God has promised you something in 2016, do not think that it's over yet. That thing that God said will happen to you, believe that it still will happen. And if you don't believe, I'm going to believe for you. And I'll believe with you until God does exactly what he said he was going to do. Confidence means everything. Hope is everything. Encouragement is everything. I want to tell you, woman of God, I have confidence in you. I want you to know that I have confidence in you. Meaning that I know that you have the ability and the strength to be exactly who God's created you to be. 
Woman of God, I want you to know that I hope when I see you, when I see you walk in these pews, I know you have a story. I know you have a struggle. I know it's by God, only the strength of Jesus Christ, that some of you even made it here today. I want you to know you walking in these doors gives me hope. Because I know what it's like to be at home and to deal with the kids and the husband and the bills and the job. And you feel like you're drowning and all of a sudden something bubbles up on the inside of you. Let me tell you, that is not just the Holy Ghost. It is encouragement from the Lord Jesus Christ. That is saying you can do it. You can get there. You can make it. But you know, the enemy is always after our confidence and our hope. He's after our encouragement. The uh, opposite of being encouraged is discouraged. And I don't want us to be discouraged women of God. Discouraged people have a funky attitude. Yep, I said it just like that. It's us tonight. The people that you can't stand to be around, there's no encouragement in them. They're discouraged. They have lost heart. They are actually expecting things to go bad. And what about this? They get mad when things go good. We should praise God when things go good. We should give God glory when things go good. Don't worry about it being your turn. Your turn is coming if you stop complaining. The enemy's after our confidence. Confidence. Why is the enemy after our confidence? I'm glad you asked, women of God. This is why. Hebrews 10, 35, and 37, it says this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. There is a reward attached to your confidence. When you're encouraged, you're confident. And when you're confident, there's reward. What is the reward? Whatever you believe for. If you say, I know by faith God's going to do it for me, it doesn't matter what anybody else says around you. All you have to do is believe it. All you have to do is say, God, I know you're going to do it. Don't listen to the people around you that say it's impossible and there's no way and there's no way it can happen. No, listen, block those people out and say, I have confidence because I have a reward waiting for me. Proverbs 3 and 26 says this, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Anybody going to be honest and say that this year they almost got caught up in something? Okay, now listen. Thank you for being honest, lady. You didn't get, but almost. Come on, I'm talking caught up. Don't tell me the details, please. But however you almost got caught up, do you realize the reason why you didn't get caught up is because the Lord kept you from getting caught up because he is your confidence. Listen, just because you make mistakes and do the wrong thing does not mean that you don't still trust in God. That's just you contending against your flesh. You can love God and try to do for God but make a mistake, but the confidence is I'm forgiven. The confidence is I, he won't let me go. The confidence is he knows me. That's why you didn't get caught up. We need to praise God for that. Amen. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you see why the enemy's after our confidence, women of God? He's after it because, listen, if we ask anything, I don't think we truly understand this. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's a blessing. The woman over here got it. You can ask anything. See, I think we think, well, I don't want to ask that prayer, and that's too big. No, nothing is too big for God. Matter of fact, when you ask the prayer and he answers it, it's usually always bigger than what you thought. Oh, come on. You said, God, I just want a job. And then God gave you a dream job, and you're like, God, I didn't ask for all that. God, I just want a, a nice house. And God gave you a dream house. You're like, my God, this is more than I ever asked. And, and are you like me and you laugh at the choices of houses you used to pick? 
I drove by one a couple weeks ago and was believing God and crying out, oh, God, if you could just bless me. And that thing is so little itty-bitty. And then God exceeds it. That's what God does exceedingly, abundantly above all that we may ask or think. Listen, if you have confidence, he hears us. And it goes on to say, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. That's why women of God, listen, I love men of God. They're strong. They're mighty. They're powerful. They're our leaders. But I believe that women have the ability to believe for the impossible. We're not logical thinkers like the men. We think kind of not all there. Our imaginations are big. They're vast. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that women have the ability to see a thing and still see beauty in it. They can see something tore up and see beauty in it. They can see a mess and see it beautiful. Why do you think we're so good at cleaning our homes? We see a mess and we make it beautiful. Listen, we have the ability to say, God, I'm believing that you're going to do it for my family. I'm believing that you're going to do it for me. I'm believing that you're going to do it for my country. Come on. You know, we have the ability to pray those kind of prayers. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor, I'm a work in progress. And tell your neighbor, I'm confident that I'm going to come out okay. Come on, you should give God praise for that. I am confident. I am, con I am a work in progress. God begun a work in you. You didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to serve Jesus. Remember, we talked about that. He chose you. He chose you a long time ago. You did not choose him. He called you a long time ago. He called you by name, the word of God says, and says, you belong to me. You are mine. That's why you couldn't get away from him. You couldn't run from him. You couldn't hide from him. Jesus was always there because you belong to him. And he says, I started the work. I'm not going to leave it unfinished. So listen, the enemy is after our confidence because, listen, if we cast away our confidence, we don't get a reward. He goes after our confidence because he wants us to get caught up. He keeps us away from confidence because he, the enemy knows if we begin to ask in confidence, God will start doing things in your life according to his will. Let me just clear that up, okay? Being confident is the very thing. He begun to work in you. If your confidence is gone, you will feel worthless and useless and have low self-esteem and not be proud to be the woman of God you are. Listen, no matter where you are, how old you are, how much you weigh, what your hair is, what length it is today or tomorrow, you are a beautiful work of art. The enemy's after our hope. Jeremiah 17 and 7 says, blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and who hopes in him. Do you realize that hope means an expectation? And if you're not confident, if you're not encouraged, you will lose your hope. Discouraged people don't have expectation. But listen, God says this, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in him. Romans 15 and 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy and believing that you may abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope, now may the God of hope, now may the God of expectation. If God is expecting things from you, we should be expecting things from him. He is the God of expectation. But if Satan knows if he can get us to stop hoping, we won't expect. I get worried about a woman who isn't expecting. It's in us to expect. That's what we say when we're pregnant, right? We're expecting. It's a blessing when we're expecting. But if you meet a woman who's not expecting, you know what that tells me? She is no longer spiritually giving birth. And I believe that there's women in here that have stillborn dreams 
that need to come back to life. You will give birth again, woman of God. Hope, hope. So here's how the enemy discourages us. There's four ways he tries to discourage us. And I'm just giving you this because I want us to be armed when we leave here so we can recognize these last few weeks of this year to not give in to discouragement. We're going to go out of this year encouraged in the name of Jesus. The first suggested reason why people get discouraged is this, fatigue. Number one reason is because we're tired. Women of God, are you like me and you will work and work and work and work till your eyes burn? And you know you're tired. And even the Lord suggested go to sleep, but you got to go. You got to do it. Are you one of those that you can't go to bed until everything's done? Like you have to wash and dry and fold and put away? I was delivered of that a long time ago. I kind of just wash and dry and then hope. (laughs) Hope it gets to where it needs to go. Hey. But listen, but listen, we, we do that as women. Women, I love you, I honor you, but we are hard workers. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give you praise right now for working so hard. You hardworking woman, good for you. Good job. I appreciate you. Doesn't that sound good? I appreciate all the work you do. We work hard, but you know what? We have to know when to say no. We have to know when to stop and just chill. Sometimes it's okay to sit down with the dishes in the sink for a moment, okay? Sometimes we have to understand that we can't do everything and be everywhere all the time. Fatigue, extreme tiredness, typically resulting from mental or physical exertion. Listen, work is exertion. Getting the kids is exertion. Dealing with our husbands, (laughs) exertion. Figuring out the plans, figuring out the pattern, getting everything organized, exertion. And it is our responsibility. We should be good home care. We should be home givers, caregivers. That's our job, okay? Don't be mad at me. Talk to Eve about it in heaven. Praise the Lord. It's our deal. But I will say this. It's easy for us to be so tired and so exhausted at the end of the day. And I do this often. I'm so tired. When I go to bed, I I, I tell my husband, I am not doing anything tomorrow. I'm doing nothing. I can't go to work. I can't move. I'm so tired. Have anybody felt that way? You work so hard that you literally plan a sick day. And you are not sick. You're just sick and tired. (laughs) And, and And then what happens the next morning? The goodness of God wakes you up. You've got energy. You get going. You get on your way. You're ready to go face the world in Jesus' name. But the reason why you went to bed feeling so exhausted that you couldn't do it another day is because you were hopeless. It takes away your hope. Discouragement takes away your hope. When you're hopeless, you don't have hope for tomorrow. You just hope these covers stay right here and the lights don't come on and the dog doesn't bark. Praise the Lord, okay? Fatigue, fatigue, but it's hopeless. Listen, the enemy tries to do this to us in spiritual battles. When we're going through spiritually in this exertion, when you're praying and you're fasting and you're believing God for miracles, and I don't want to discount that. Listen, I know what it's like to believe God for amazing things that happen. It takes work. It takes work to say hopeful. It takes work to say faithful. It takes work to say, you know what, I'm not going to look at the natural. I'm only looking at the spiritual. I'm not going to be negative. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to believe what the word of God says. It takes work because you're fighting against your flesh. Your flesh is saying, don't believe, but your spirit's saying, believe, and it's a tug of war. And when fatigue comes in, when you're trying to do it within yourself, and we're all guilty of that. 
We all forget that there's a Holy Spirit that we can all call on. We forget that there's a Jesus that's saying, please cast your burden on me. But we're too busy carrying the burden with the laundry and the dishes and the, the, the grocery list. We forget that God's saying, give it to me. I can handle it. There's nothing wrong with rest, woman of God. I believe someone needs to hear that word today. There's nothing wrong with rest. I'm not saying be lazy. There's nothing wrong with rest. Anybody used to feel guilty taking a nap? Just guilty, like you just sinned. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've been delivered of that too. Praise him. Just deliverance all in the house. Listen, God rested on the seventh day. You know that. Sabbath, God himself said it's time to rest. Mark 6.31. Listen, this proves that Jesus loves cruises. Anybody like to cruise? It's in the Bible. Mark 6.31. And he said to him, now before that he talks about him them being on a boat and going to the other side. That's my whole cruise point. But he said, and he said to them, come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Jesus tells the disciples, hey, take a break. Get on the boat, cruise down to Turks and Caicos, and rest a while. That was my interpretation. Okay. Listen, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This scripture changed my spiritual life when I realized that I don't have to do it all. I don't have to figure it all out. I can literally rest in Jesus. And when I'm tired and I'm fatigued, I can say, God, you know what? You know the plans. You, it's all in your hand, God. I give everything over to you. And you're able to rest and just take a break. If you're stressed out, if you feel pressure, if you feel anxiety, guaranteed you're tired and when you're tired you're discouraged and when you're discouraged you're hopeless and when you don't have hope you don't have any courage and your courage goes away so that's the first reason why people deal with with uh, being discouraged disappointment disappointment is the second reason disappointment is the feeling of sadness or displeasure caused by non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations now listen ladies there are things where things were moments where things absolutely fall through like it didn't happen like it was supposed to happen at all. That's a legit disappointment. Like, you know, you thought you were going to, I, I must have went on a vacation. You thought you were going to Turks and Caicos and you didn't go. Like it just fell through. It didn't happen. That's a true disappointment. But usually I'm learning in my life that a lot of times women, we are more upset, not that it didn't happen, but it didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. And if you think about that, that's kind of silly. You know, it just didn't happen the way you thought it was. For instance, I'll say, honey, I want to go to dinner. Pastor will say, yes, let's go out to dinner. I go upstairs, I get ready. I like wear, you know, something nice, cute, some little heels, do my makeup, do my hair. Like, I'm, 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 I'm looking really nice. And then he comes in the room with a Hawaiian shirt on, blue jeans, and flip-flops. Now, that used to make me upset a long time ago because in my mind, well, if you don't want to get ready, you don't want to take me. Uh, is it just me crazy? Okay. <laughs> and then I would say to myself, you know, I wouldn't tell him to change, but I would say, are you going to wear that? And the pastor's like, yeah. And I would be mad about it. And I'd have an attitude in the car and wouldn't say why. I'm just mad because my expectation was that he was going to wear his tuxedo too. 
It wasn't that we weren't going to dinner. It just wasn't what I expected. And if you look over your life, woman of God, I guarantee a lot of our disappointments are just like that. It's not that you didn't do it. It just didn't happen the way you expected. So I'm saying this. We need to stop living in lifetime fantasy worlds of expectations. I'm not saying lower your expectations, but I am saying lower your expectations. I'm not saying give up hope and faith, but come on, if it doesn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, just be glad it's happening. Thank you. Over there to my right. Listen, disappointments come with delay. Delay is another way of disappointment. When it didn't happen, when you thought it was going to happen. There is a perfect example of disappointment in the Bible found in Mark 5, 21, 26. Do you guys remember the woman with the issue of blood? Come on, we know her story. Come on, it's our time of the month. We know her story. The woman with the issue of blood, remember her? She was not supposed to be out. She went out, touched him in the garment, and then it all worked out, right? Do you ever read the story before that? It says it here, Mark 5, 21 and 26. It says, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat, another cruise, I'm just kidding, on the, to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the seed. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by the name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And verse 24 says, and Jesus went with them. So here it is, Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, the pastor, if you will, comes and begs Jesus, heal my daughter. She's at a point of death. This is a 911 situation. It is no joke. She's dying. I need you to come right now and lay hands on her. And then verse 25 says this, a certain woman with the flow of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things from many physicians. Here she is. We are on the way, Jairus and Jesus, on the way to heal the daughter who's dying, and here comes a lady that's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, I don't know about you, but if my daughter's at the point of death, I don't need anyone to stop Jesus from getting to my house. My attitude would have been like, listen, lady, sorry you're bleeding, but you were bleeding today, you'll probably bleed tomorrow. I mean, I'm, can I just be real? I mean, it's been a long time. One more day is not going to hurt you. How about this? You're not even supposed to be out here. <laughs> what are you doing outside? You're in my way. Get out of my way. I have a real emergency. My daughter is dying and you're just bleeding. Isn't that like a man's attitude? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll let you think about that. Aren't they insensitive though sometimes when we're bleeding? They don't know cramps, headache, fatigue, bloating, snickers. All right, back on subject, back to subject. But listen, here she is. So, so Jairus could have had an attitude and could have been like, you know what? How about this? Forget it, Jesus. You're going to stop for her? I am a pastor. I'm a spiritual leader. How dare you talk to this peasant over me? He could have walked away from Jesus because he didn't like the delay. Don't we do it? Don't we do it? When we know Jesus is on the way to do something for us, but then you see somebody else getting maybe the blessing first, and do you turn away? Forget it. Forget it. You're going to help everybody else, but forget about me. And you might not in your natural state, but somewhere in your spirit, you have turned away and walked away and said, Jesus, you've let me down yet again. Listen, we cannot allow disappointments pull us away from Jesus. It was a, a disappointing situation, but you know what that leader did? That leader waited. He waited his turn. 
He watched a woman get healed, and the word of God goes on to say that Jesus finally went, laid hands on the daughter. The daughter was healed. Praise the Lord. But the disappointment causes delay, and he is a perfect example of that. The other reason that causes discouragement is fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous or likely to cause pain or a threat. I'm going to say that again, woman of God. The belief that something is dangerous. The belief that something is dangerous. We can cause fear to come up in our minds about anything. If you're not spiritually prayed up, you can watch the news and just have fear flood your soul. Nothing's happened yet, but you believe it could be dangerous. Come on, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I say that almost every day to myself. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That is me telling the enemy that I am not afraid of a weapon that you may have been formed, but it will not harm me, it will not be successful, it will not affect me the way you think it will. Psalm 108, uh, Psalm 118 and six says this, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Listen, I was going through a spiritual battle in my life and I was dealing with some unsaved bosses at work, <laughs> praise the Lord, and I used to be afraid that they were going to fire me and afraid that they were going to let me go and afraid. You know, the fear comes up. And I don't know if it was on the radar or not. Probably was, but who cares? I didn't know. But the fear was rising up in me. And one day I read this scripture, the Lord is on my side. The Lord is on my side. The Lord is on your side. If you are dealing with a person who is bothering you, hindering you, maybe vexing you, let me tell you, the Lord is on your side. You will not fear. What can man do to you? We serve God, not man, amen? You know, there was a woman of God here that goes to our church, and speaking of fear, um, you know, fear, fear comes in different stages, the belief, the belief. Sometimes we can deal with situations that we have a right or a reason to believe we should be fearful. A woman of God goes to our church, has a daughter, young daughter, beautiful daughter, wonderful daughter, faithful daughter, diagnosed with cancer, just on a whim. Just it, regular checkup, diagnosed with cancer. I don't know about you, but that's scary to have your daughter diagnosed with cancer. First of all, it's cancer, and we rebuke sickness in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus is against that demonic sickness in the name of Jesus. I mean that. So she's dealing with cancer, and so we're walking through it with her. We're like, okay, we're going to believe God. She's going to be fine. We're, 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 we're encouraging her. And guess what? The mom then begins to encourage us. And then the dad's encouraging us. And then the daughter's encouraged. And they're encouraging themselves. And pretty soon, week after week after week, bad report after bad report after bad report, we're encouraged. We're not going to be hopeless. We're going to be hopeful. We, are, we have confidence in Jesus Christ that he's going to do what he said he could do. I know what the doctor said, but my God is a healer. I know what it says, but God can heal by his stripes. We were healed. And week after week after week after week, and she, the mom would tell me, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm going to stand. Listen, I like that. Sometimes it's okay to say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful, but I'm standing. I'm not allowing the fear to keep me down or keep me away from church. I'm going to be at church worshiping God, praising God, crying out to God. I don't understand God, but I believe in you. And week after week after week, we're believing God and believing God and encouraging one another and not being discouraged. Do you realize that there's a woman of God, well, not a woman of God, but another woman I know who found out she had cancer and she invited her friends over to have a pity party? She called it a cancer pity party. 
almost accepting, celebrating the disease. But this woman of God said, okay, it's here, but we're not going to receive it. We're not going to believe it. We're going to stand strong against it. And finally, a few weeks ago, baby girl's cancer-free. Let's give God praise. And there she is. Stand up, baby girl. Let him see you, cancer-free girl. Hallelujah. That's encouragement. Come on, church. Let's do better. Cancer-free. Thank you, God. So we celebrate. We're encouraged. But listen, she stayed encouraged. She even came to me bald. I said, baby, I can get you some hair. That's not none but a thing. <laughs> Pastor Kelly can find you hair. <laughs> I just told her wear big, pretty earrings because she had a really nice shaped head. Praise the Lord. She's got hair now. Amen. Huh? She's got her earrings. Wear them earrings, girl. Amen. But encouragement. Encourage gives life. Encourage gives health. Encourage changes situations. Don't you ever let the devil bog you down with discouragement. You have to stand up and encourage yourself in the Lord. How about this? Push yourself in the Lord. God didn't give them a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, and now she's sitting here healthy. And I thank God for that. But fear tries to discourage, but not when you're in Christ. Doubt tries to discourage. Discourage. Doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Listen, women of God, let's end this year being convicted in what we believe. Convicted means you firmly hold on to it. Let's not give in to the ways of the world. Let's not give in to things that we see as okay. Let's stand firm. Let's stand firm. Let, let, let's let our yes be yes and our no be no. Let's know the word of God enough to know what's the word and what's the world. Amen? Fear is the danger. Here, here's the danger of doubt. Number one, you can't please God when you walk in doubt. Hebrews 11:6 6 said, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's impossible to please God when you're doubting, when you don't have conviction that he's going to do what he said you can do. And then here's the next point. You, when, when, when you're doubting, you're not driven. I'm sorry, you're driven and not spirit-led. I'm going to say that again. Doubt makes you driven and not spirit-led. I'm going to say it again. Doubt makes you driven and not spirit-led. First, uh, James 1 and 6. James 1 and 6 says this. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Being spirit-led means you're going to wait to hear the still, small voice. And if God says don't go, you're not going to go. Sometimes when you're asking God for a word, it's silence. Can I get an Amen. But if you're driven, that means whatever comes your way, whatever you face, you're here, you're there, you're everywhere, you're up, you're down, you're all around. That's not a driven, a driven life is not a God life. God did not put us here to have a life that is tossed to and fro, that whatever happens moves us. Come on, women of God, we're not going to be shaken. We're going to be firm in our belief that if God is for me, who can be against me? That I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. That I will praise the Lord at all times. We're spirit-led women of God. We live our lives by the spirit of God. If God says go, go. If God says don't go, don't go. If God says nothing, just be still and know that he is God. Live by the spirit and don't be driven 
by issues and kids and arguments and this and that and all up and down. No, stability in Jesus' name. Doubt discourages, but when you believe, encouragement comes. Do you realize when you're discouraged, you don't think that you can do anything? You don't feel like you can do anything. When doubt comes in, you're discouraged from moving forward, from moving. Okay, we had these women up here singing in microphones. It's, it's intimidating to sing in a microphone. That's why there's only like 20 up here. It's intimidating. And doubt will say, nobody wants to hear you sing. Nobody wants to hear your voice. Nobody wants you to worship. Nobody wants you to pick that mic up. And Jesus is saying, no, I gave you a voice. He says, I don't listen to the tone. I listen for the anointing. And you can hear the anointing. And listen, when, they, when these women up here were singing boldly to you, I just laughed in my spirit. I'm like, God, look at you already manifesting this word tonight. Confidence. Confidence. Encouragement. They, weren't you encouraged as they sang? We didn't care how you sounded. We were encouraged by how you sang. So let me end with this prayer, women of God. And we're going to praise God on out of here. But Psalm 17 and 1, and 1 through 9 says this. This is called a prayer of confidence from the prayer of David. It's a prayer with confidence. Verse 17 says, hear a just cry, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let me tell you this. When we go before God, we need to pray like this right here. When you go to God and you begin to pray for him, to him, you should say, listen, Lord, here, my, here I am. Here's my issue. Here's my issue. And you know what? Um, my, my, my prayer, I, I'm not deceitful. It's okay to feel that. It's confidence. It's confidence. Listen, when you're trying to live a life that is a godlike life, I believe that you're not trying to be deceitful. Can things happen that may come out that way? Yes, maybe, but you're not trying to be deceitful. So I like that David says, listen, and David was the most deceiving person of all time. Can I get an amen? He says, my lips are not deceitful. Really, David? The one that tried, that killed Uriah? Anyways, David says, give ear to my lips that are not deceitful. In other words, God, I know you hear me. When you pray to God, you need to say, God, I know you hear me. I am your daughter. I belong to you. I know you know me by name. Listen, it is just me and you. I've got a direct line to you. I've got your, you've got my full attention. I've got your full attention. Verse 2 says, let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. God, I know you see everything. There's a confidence that should come up in you, an encouragement that should come when you know God sees everything. Especially when you're being falsely accused or you're going through a time of testing or a time of trial. I like the fact that I can say, God, you see everything. I used to get so upset when people would lie on me or say things that maybe weren't the right way. I'd want to defend it. I would like sub post stuff on Facebook. I'm trying to vindicate my name. And one day God says to me, I see everything. It makes you relax. What an encouraging word that God sees it all. And then verse 3 says, you have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night, in the bad times. You have tried me and found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. God, I have given you a perfect effort. How many women in here have given God a perfect effort? Amen. There should be more women that are giving God a perfect effort. Meaning that you're trying with all you can to live a life according to his word within you. You're not just living in any kind of way. You're trying. You're pushing. It says this, concerning the works of men, but by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. God, your word has kept me. When you pray to God, 
I want you to do this encouraging prayer, this prayer of confidence. God, listen, your word has kept me. The reason why I'm here praying to you right now, Father, is that you have kept me. Uphold my steps in your path that my footsteps do not slip. God, you order my steps. Listen, and then it goes on to say, God, you know me. You've called me. You've saved me. Listen, why am I explaining this prayer to you this way? Because when you go to God, I want you to have the confidence to encourage yourself that God sees your life, that God sees the life that he saved, that God is saying, if I started it in you, I will complete it, that you are not going to be downcast and kicked out, that God still loves you in spite of you, that you can still go before God and say, Father, I'm fearful, but I'm still faithful. God, I know that you know me, you see me, you hear me. God, you hide me. Isn't it so good to know God hides? He hides us. In Psalm 17 and 8, it says, From those who rise up against them, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. From the wicked one who oppresses me, from my deadly enemies who surround me, God, hide me. Confidence. Confidence, encouraging words from our Father to say, listen, I hide you in all circumstances and in all situations. You know, there's a beautiful scripture that says that in the shadow of his wings, we're protected. We're hidden in the shadow of his wings. That, you know, again, it encourages you to know, listen, just his shadow is enough. But then God revealed to me as I was thinking about this scripture that in order to be in his shadow, you got to be close. You got to be close to him. And sometimes when you're discouraged, you want to naturally pull away from Jesus. But you can't pull away from the one who protects, who hides, who orders steps, who guides, who calls, who cleanses, who heals. You can't pull away from that one. You've got to go up to him and allow his shadow to cover you. So the words that God speaks to you at night, and I believe he speaks to all of us, maybe not an audible voice, but he's speaking. It's always to encourage. The God we serve doesn't chastise. Now, he will get us, come on. But it's always in love. It's never, you're going to hell. It's always, let me save you from destruction. You know, our God always encourages. He encourages us so much that the reason why you're here is because he pushed. And the reason why I'm here is because I'm pushing back. We cannot be weak women. We cannot be defeated women. We cannot be, I don't know what's going to happen women. We need to be confident in this very thing. That he who began a work in us will perform it. Will complete it. That God has an end for our lives, that God is counting on us to reach out to others and encourage others and tell them, come on, get to church. Come on, serve the Lord. Come on. Uh, people have asked me, how do you do it? I always say, it's Jesus. And they look at me kind of funny, but listen, without him, I am nothing. I can do nothing. I can accomplish nothing. But in him is everything. So cast not away your confidence, woman of God. I'm not talking arrogance. There's a difference. I'm talking confidence. Yes, you're cute. Yes, you're all that in a bag of chips. Praise the Lord. But arrogance doesn't get you far. Arrogance is false. Arrogance can get wiped off with a Neutrogena wipe. Can I get an amen? 
but confidence from Jesus Christ stands. So be encouraged. Stay in the state of hope. Stay in the state of confidence. Stay in the state of God, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to serve you. No matter what I go through, I'm going to hold on to you. No matter what I'm facing, I'm not going to let you go. Father, I'm not going to love you because my husband loves me this week. He can love me or not love me. I still love you, Jesus. You are my confidence. You are my all in all. I am encouraged. David said this, when I was greatly distressed, I encouraged myself in the Lord. And I believe every woman in here has that ability to encourage you. There, there's a reason why the time you thought you were going to lose your mind, your phone didn't work. There's a reason why nobody answered the phone that day. There's a reason that nobody was there to pick you up and turn you around and place your feet on solid ground. God is saying, girlfriend, I need you to stand up and encourage yourself. It is time for you to open up your mouth and bless me. Speak to me. Tell me you love me. Tell me you trust me. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Matter of fact, I think it feels better when you encourage yourself. I think you got a little pep in your step when you come out the workplace bathroom and people wonder what happened from when you went. You come out a little caught. They don't know what happened. Oh, me and Jesus had a pep talk. And I just pep myself and told myself, girl, get up. Be strong. Don't be fearful. Don't be discouraged. Come on. You can make it. God got you here. He's not going to leave you. He's going to finish what he started. He's not done. He is a healer. He's a multiplier. He is the one who supplies. Come on. Encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. I believe we need to stand up right now and begin to encourage ourselves. You tell God, God, I thank you for what you're going to do for me. I thank you that this is not over for me. I thank you, God, that you have a way of escape for me. Come on, ladies, don't look at me. Open up your mouth and give God praise in this place. Encourage yourself. It's too quiet in here. Come on. Come on, come on, give God a shout. Come on, war cry. Come on. Thank you, God. We praise you, God. We love you, God. We magnify you, Jesus. I'm going to encourage myself. Next time you're in that kitchen, you start singing.